0: You can be any age and not be old. If you don't feel old, you're not old. It's all relative.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the With A Story podcast. I hope you are doing well. I'm your host, Nicole Meliora. I am a yoga teacher, a coach, and a conscious lifestyle advocate. And I started this podcast to bring people together, create connections, and share stories from people who are creating change in the world to help make it a little bit easier to create change in ourselves, in our communities, and for the planet. So I'm super excited this week to share my conversation with Lisa Levine. Uh, She's a health coach based on the West Coast of the U.S. And I just loved our chat together. She has such a fun uh, history. So she shared a little bit about her career path in the music and film industry how she transitioned after having her children into now the wellness world as a health coach, and her whole approach to uh, basically well aging audaciously. So I love her view on life in general, and she shares so many kind of fun stories, including uh, encounters with celebrities. And there's something for everyone here, so I really hope you enjoy this episode and have a great week. And I will see you for the next one. Bye bye.
0: Awesome. Anyway, hi. I was so nice hey. to get your invitation. I um, I love being on podcasts. Oh, great! Uh, which ones have you done? Um, not probably none that you've ever heard of. There's okay. um uh, a health one. There's like mostly local ones to be honest, but I just love it. It's so fun to you know, my whole thing is having conversations is the best.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I'm so glad you were you were up for it. Um I just started so
0: uh I'm excited
1: for you. It's a big deal. It's a big job.
0: It's it's scary to do that something that's totally unknown. And you're probably doing Yeah. It.
1: Well, it's take it's taken me like three years to actually do it because of that. Um, but it, yeah, it's, so it's something I wanted to do for a while, obviously, because there's so many cool ones out there. It just seems like, and it's just I've realized that. I mean, obviously, I'd like to turn it into something, but it's just been nice having these one-on-one chats with people that you wouldn't do otherwise, and so it's just been so nice for that, especially right now.
0: Why, you just out of curiosity, you might have said this in the influencer group, but how did you end up in London?
1: Um, so I, I was living in DC after law school. Um, and when I, so I, I did a dual degree program where I did, I'm half French. So I did two years in, in DC and two years in Paris. And while I was in Paris, I got back together with my high school boyfriend, <laughs> who's, who is now my husband. Um, so we started going out again. Um, this is interesting because I know you have a, a, a okay. cool, a cool story also, um, So we started dating, we started dating again, and I had um, planned on doing this fellowship back in DC. So I went back and then we were long distance and then uh, it was, I wasn't finding jobs in the US. um, And so I just decided to, uh, and we had started dating. So I just moved here and then started looking for work here. I got a job in in legal tech when I moved here. Um, And so, yeah, I've been here since summer of 2016.
0: Oh lucky, 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 lucky! Although we <laughs> back on lockdown now.
1: Yeah, for a month. Yeah,
0: that's
1: yeah. Coming,
0: I think that's coming our way. I mean, I don't think it'll be a national, but I'm in Seattle, and we're super excited. Yeah. And I, I think that our governor is going to be call it call it after Thanksgiving until I guess until Christmas.
1: Yeah, you guys, you guys seem like pretty, pretty, pretty cool. How has it been over
0: there? <laughs> okay, you know we're definitely like a giant blue bubble. And I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, we also mm-hmm. have um, Seattle, you know, like there's liberal issues too, but it feels good. like there's no Trump signs here. I don't see, you know, I don't know a single soul. Well, th- we know a couple souls that voted for Trump, but not in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sorry. I just find him. He's evil. I'm actually not sorry. He's evil. And I, Yeah. I'm okay to be you know, in this little corner. So anyway, yeah. yeah, Seattle is a good place to be. And my, my kids are in college. So, and they're both, um, my son is in Bellingham at Western Washington university and he's a senior. And so he's like 90 minutes away and he's doing great. He's like super happy. He's thriving. And my daughter's in Oregon, in uh, Corvallis at Oregon state, and she's a junior and she's also doing great. And so, great. you know, it's like if they're good and they're healthy and they're you know, in a happy place, then that's like half of it. Th- yeah. Then I have to think about that and I can just focus on what's happening here, which is good.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they, those guys are going to save us, aren't they? <laughs>
0: <laughs> As my grandma would say, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> my Jewish grandma had a lot of good sayings. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. you're,
1: you're, you're an East coast girl originally, aren't you?
0: Yes, I'm an East Coast girl. I actually grew up in Philadelphia, and um, which was a great place to grow up. I loved growing up there. And then I moved to New York, went to film school at NYU and nice. uh, got into music video, got a job at a record label. It was like my dream job because I was, I mean, basically I just wanted to inhabit the music. You know, I just wanted to be in the, I went and saw bands every night. I just wanted to be in the front like, you know, I wanted, I want, I felt it. I, I, it it was alive inside me. So having the job at a record label was amazing. And um, my boss moved to LA and I went with her and, you know, I'd loved New York and I never thought I would end up staying on the East coast, but there was something about the West coast that was just much more open and free. And Mm. I really loved it. And while LA was not my sole place It was a great place to be while I figured stuff out. And I ended up leaving my record company job, getting an offer to go run the music video division of a production company. Here's a funny story. So this company that I worked with is, is uh, was called vivid and it was this uh, it was a its parent company in London and it, Hmm. it, and so the, we worked with all kinds of fabulous directors who are still doing stuff now. But you know, we did Madonna and George Michael and you know Motley Crue, just like all the wow. huge fans of the 80s, great company. But then there so was a cool. recession. It was so cool. It was fun to be there, actually. <laughs> it was like a, a, a flicker in time. It was MTV was really only huge for like 15, 20 years, and then oh, yeah. and um so we so there was a recession and Vivid London ended up having to close and then we ended up closing as well. And so um, I had all my directors that I was repping and they came with me and I went to another production company and that's where I was when I met my husband and I'll come back to that. But years later I was, I would tell people, Oh yeah, I I ran the music video division at Vivid. You did? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, wow. And I found out later it was Vivid ended up, that name ended up becoming the name of a porn production company. (laughs) It wasn't the same company, no relation. But it took me like five or six times of people just being like, oh my God, you worked in business? okay. Until I figured it out. Oh, that's hilarious. I know. <laughs> um, but I was I was working um at a different production company when I met my husband and yeah, I mean I kind of started to I, I I referred to that. Um, I was yeah, in LA and I went to Hawaii like it was my first real vacation that I ever took myself on. I think I was 29 and I was like, I'm going on a fancy vacation because I would always spend all my time flying back to the East coast to see my family and my friends. And I wouldn't always go somewhere mm-hmm. else. And one of my best friends had moved to moved back to Hawaii where she was from. So I went to visit her. And while I was there, Pearl Jam was playing their first tour like their first big tour and they were playing university of hawaii and i had met those guys multiple times just because of the business that i was in and um i and at the time and yeah so i I called and i got on the guest list and i went with i brought my friend who'd never even heard of program (laughs) and uh we were backstage and uh my husband who's also named eddie um No connection to Eddie Vedder, but he was there and he came up and started (laughs) to talk to me and my friend. And he was very sweet. And then he said, Oh, do you guys want a beer? I'll go get you a beer. And he walked away and my friend said, That guy likes you. And I said, Well, he seems like a nice guy. She's like, No, that guy really likes you. She's like, You're going to marry that guy. I was like, You're crazy. You must be stoned. Like, I just met him. And a year (laughs) later, we were engaged. And a year after that, we got married and she played the harp at our wedding. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So after we got engaged, we moved to Seattle because he was already, um, he and his business partner had been doing videos for Pearl Jam the whole time. And so he had a production company here and we moved here and I moved here in 93 and I've been here ever since.
1: Wow. So cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have so many like ways I can go with this. Um, (laughs) But uh, so is your husband still in the film production industry?
0: Yes and no. Um, he ended up having going to work at Microsoft in uh, doing um, doing some production stuff. He ran Microsoft Studios for a little while. He um, he's but he's always been in filmmaking. It was more f- always more film for him
1: mm-hmm. than
0: music. I mean, he loves the music, but for him, he he. And funnily enough, he was also a film major at NYU, but he, he and I weren't there at the same time. We never <laughs> met there. Yeah. Um, so he, and so now he is doing, he's also really into photography. So he has, that's very po- much a huge part of his creative life. Um, and he's he's made a short film that went to Sundance, but in between he's also done other um, corporate jobs. And now he's more like a freelance kind of contractor guy. Nice, so cool, of very
1: things. cool. But, yeah.
0: but we still are, you know, and now my, we're still very much, our roots are in that art artistic community for sure mm-hmm. here. And we still have a you know a network of people that we're close to and connected to in New York and in L.A. Because he also lived in New York, you know we 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 didn't have any of the same friends, but we've we've now well now after being together for God a long time, um, but so so we are still connected to it in that way. And um, I actually after I we after we moved here, I started my own company repping directors that had their own little tiny production companies and it was great and I loved Mm -hmm. it for a couple years and my directors did like all the I don't know if you heard of Hootie and the Blowfish like they did all Mm -hmm. the Hootie and the Blowfish videos and then they did you know um, Bon Jovi and a bunch of other stuff and it was super fun but I was but I think, what? How old was I then? I was probably like thirty-two or thirty-three. And I finally said to my husband, like, if I'm going to be catering to the needs of children all day long, I'd like to be related to them. Because directors, God love them, I love them, but you know they're they need a lot of handholding sometimes. Mm. And I was like, if I'm going to hold hands, I want to hold hands with my real kids, my, my own kids. <laughs> yeah. So that that so I stopped doing that, and then. So how, um,
1: how old were you kids when you, so you decided to stop working and, and take care of your kids full time?
0: Well, so it was kind of a weird way how it happened. I, you know, we decided that I, we were going to focus on having kids. And actually this was part of how I ended up in the getting my obsession session with health and wellness was because mm-hmm. um, right before we, we found out that we needed to do in vitro to get pregnant and right, so right before we were going to do IVF, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune condition called Graves' disease, which is a hyperactive thyroid. And I went to, and I found it because I wasn't sleeping. I would be waking up, I would have horrible insomnia. And I went to my doctor and my doctor said, well, he wrote me a prescription for sleeping pills. And I thought, well, that's fine, but that's not telling me why it's happening. Mm. So that was the first time I ever went to see a naturopathic physician. And that really changed the course of my Uh, my life in a lot of ways. So the first thing she said to me was, let's test your thyroid. And it turned out that it was an autoimmune thing. So I went to see an endocrinologist and they said, well, the way that we treat Graves' disease is we have you swallow um, a radioactive pill with radioactive iodine, which is still the way that they treat it, by the way. Wow. And the doctor said, well, it's perfectly safe. You know, what happens is it will burn out this part, it will calm down your overactive thyroid And um, then you will have to take thyroid medication, but a lot of people do that and it'll be fine. Um, And then, and then he said, but we do recommend that after you take it, you check into a hotel. So you don't really go home and make sure you flush the toilet after you use it. And, you know, I would recommend not hugging your children or petting your, or your pets. And I'm like,
1: that sounds safe.
0: Dude, I am so, you know, right before I was going to be doing, you know, harvesting my eggs to do in vitro, that felt really weird to me. So that set me off on this whole course of what else can I do I'm not going to do that. And in the end I did um I did work with an endocrinologist but I did I took something called beta blockers but at the same time I went on a super deep dive into every alternative thing I could find, you know, acupuncture, drinking stinky Chinese teas, I went on, I did a shamanic soul retrieval, I did all the things. And I learned so much about what was out there and it took me I think it was 16 months, but finally, my thyroid was normal. And honestly, my Graves' disease has never come back. So that's been, I guess, you know, in remission for 25 years or something, which is 24 years, which is pretty amazing. Um, But I, I did. That's how I started seeing my naturopath, which was huge. And we did end up doing in vitro and getting pregnant with my son. And then when my son was 15 months old, I got pregnant. Random and you know, like after they told us that amazing. there was you know a one in a million chance that w- it would ever happen. I remember when we were leaving the first time, the reproductive guy, the fertility guy, we said, "Well, can't we just keep trying anyway?" And the guy was like, "You can try all you like; it's never going to happen. You know, one in a million chance." And there, and that's my daughter. She's my one in a million. Wow, that's amazing. And it was pretty amazing. So she's twenty and he's twenty-two now. And I stopped working before, you know, as I told you, like I kind of shut down my business. And, um, and I stayed home with them and basically, you know, pretended that I had reinvented motherhood and it was, (laughs) it was awesome. I was super hands-on. I loved it. I was really, really lucky that my husband had a job that allowed me to do that. And I was so grateful to be able to stay home and be with them and really experience that part of it, especially after going through infertility which was, you know, that is a whole other podcast. I mean, that was so oh, yeah. <laughs> intense. And, you know, there's something about feeling like you, you know, your body is betraying you and you can't get pregnant and you're, it's your birthright. And there's a lot of layers. So when I was lucky enough to have my children, I was just, and lucky enough to stay home with them, I was pretty much reveling in it for a long time. Yeah. And then when my son was eight and my daughter was six, um, I was still really into the music. So I would always like, um, and whenever I had time to go, I would go see bands. My best friend who uh, that's a whole other funny story, but had the way that we met, but um, well, I just have to tell you, you don't have to record it. You don't have to share it. But so okay, one of okay. my husband's best friends is Kiefer Sutherland. And Kiefer. Wait, this is the,
1: the 24 guy?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so he, uh, so Kiefer was got was getting married got married to this woman kelly and kelly Wynn, and she was canadian and um we were at the wedding it was super fun and afterwards kelly kept tell- or kelly and Kiefer kept telling eddie you gotta meet Rebecca and Ed. Rebecca is Kelly's best friend. They grew up together. Kelly was a model. Rebecca would go out with her, do all these things. And Ed works at Microsoft, just like you, Eddie. And you guys need to meet. And I kept saying to my husband, Well, what is Rebecca's story? Like, why would I, why do I need to meet her? What does she do? And Eddie said, Well, I think she's a model, like Kelly. I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't need to rush out and meet. I'm like, I'm like, you know, post don't okay. whatever. whatever. And so this went on. And they were, Rebecca was getting the same story. And eventually we did meet. And she was, she's a bass player and you know she was we had so much in common and we became absolute lifelong besties which we still are and oh. as it turned out i got after i got pregnant with my son she got pregnant with her son and oh, uh, nice. they are seven months apart and then we both accidentally got pregnant with our daughters at the same time went in for our ultrasounds at the same time and found that they were girls and they were born 12 days apart wow oh wow i know it was super crazy so, much- so-
1: Synchronicity—that's crazy.
0: A a lot of synchronicity. So all this to say that I would go. She was in lots of different bands, and there was a band she was in called North Twin that I loved, and we would go all the time. And I would go to her rehearsals sometimes just to like drink a beer, get out of my house. She also lived down the street from me. She ended up moving. It, yeah. So I was at one of her rehearsals, and the uh, singer in her band ran a production company called World Famous, and he was talking about his company, and he was saying, um. He was talking about, I guess, like about representation and that his executive producer did this and that. But it would be great if they had a little more ins. And I think I'd had two beers. I was like, I used to do that. You should totally call me. And then he called me. And I was like, oh, fuck. guess I can talk to them. So I went in and I talked to him and his business partner and ended up working with them for the next seven years doing my own like I I basically was a contractor but they were my only client and it was great. I did we did a lot of work with Microsoft and I would be I got to go back to LA and reconnect with a ton of my connections there to get them work they wanted to produce and direct like movie titles and all kinds of things. So that was perfect for me. But sometime right around toward the end of it so I was 49 and um, every time I would go up there, uh, we would always do like these big group lunches and they would bring in lunch for the whole team. There were probably 12 people that worked there, or 15. And I started noticing that I would be sitting around these long tables doing these lunches, which were great. And I realized I absolutely do not give a shit what any of these people are talking about. I want to talk about the universe. <laughs> I want to talk about <laughs> the meaning of life. Like I want to talk about deeper things. I do not care what they're what equipment they're using to edit that on. Oh, I don't wow. I don't care. And I this was like the beginning of my my midlife transformation, I guess, cuz mm-hmm. yeah, I was like 48, 49 and um I started getting a little freaked out about turning 50. And I was like, "Why am I going to be 50?" Like, yeah damn it, what is, what, you know, how did I get here? And what do I want to do? Like I'd only planned my life up to have kids, you know, raise them up. And then like, I didn't really think about it. Like, you know, when you're a parent that when they hit around 18, that there's an exit ramp, but Mm -hmm. all of a sudden when that ramp comes into view, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to keep going. Like they're going over here and I'm going to keep going where am I going like
1: and you were even like it's not like you were at home either you know you were you were working yeah this moment of of transition you're like "Hmm, maybe I don't want to do this anymore
0: Well, you're going. And then that's like, all I could think of was there was this giant 50 hanging in front of me. And like, I knew that wasn't my ultimate destination. Like I was going to go, you know, it's like, if you're on a highway, like imagine there's an overpass, you know, and it's like, it's coming. And then I had no idea what's (laughs) happening after that. And my kids are off on their exit ramp. And yeah, my husband's in, you know, maybe he's in the car next to me. I don't know, because he's got his journey too. But um So all of that led me to explore life coaching. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had always been interested in psychology and then coaching came along and coaching is super appealing to me because it's a lot less about um, how did you get here and more about, okay, here you are. Now, where do you want to go?
1: Yeah. which So um, you you kind of – so I guess you kind of um, implemented – the things that you do now that you're doing now with your clients, but on yourself, I guess. Exactly. Transition phase. Yeah.
0: So I went, I went to coaching, I went and did life coach training with um, the Martha Beck Institute and it was amazing. And I had said to my husband, you know, I think I'm going to leave world famous. And he's like, whatever you need to do, you know, I support you, you'll figure it out. And so one day in January of I think 2014 or whatever, I woke up and I was like, okay, this is the day I'm going to go in and, I went out, I, I made a lunch date with my with the guys at World Famous and I got in the car to go and my husband, who's like a secret, used to listen to the Oprah Network on satellite radio and he <laughs> left it on in the car. And I, I I turned on the car and there's this woman's voice um, and it sounds really familiar and she's talking about how to know when to quit. And it was my teacher, it was Martha Beck, who had just finished training with.
1: Wow. And
0: so I literally drove down to World Famous listening to Martha Beck talk about how to know when to quit. Parked my car just as it ended, and then went and had lunch, and told them I was done, and um, started my coach business. And then, you know, once you start to get involved in personal growth work, you really are paying much closer attention to the things that make you that make you say yes to this to the things mm-hmm. that light you up, because that's what you're coaching. That's what I'm coaching my clients to do is to pay yeah. attention to that stuff. So for me, it was always came back to nutrition and health. And food and cooking, you know, growing up in the 1970s, on the East Coast especially, but where I grew up, it was all about frozen food, canned food, TV dinners. I never even saw, really interacted with fresh vegetables until I was in my 20s. Like I never tasted asparagus or broccoli or any of that. And it was still like such a revelation to me to do all that. And then when I was in California, it was the late 80s. And it was all like Alice Waters and California cuisine. And I just, my palate was completely changed. So it was about how it was really, for me, the joy was feeding, how food and health were connected. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Do you find, do you find that a lot of your clients have that same kind of history with, with food? And that's a big part of your, your health coaching with them?
0: I do think especially women of my generation, or even a little bit younger than me, weren't necessarily exposed to all of the same, well, I'm sure they weren't, because if you grew up in the 70s, or even in the early 80s, you know, the standard American diet was a huge thing. And also for women, um, especially that age, we've been around listening to diet mentality for so long. And it was like, you know, fat was bad and carbs were good and sugar was so prevalent and still is. And so it's, it is definitely an education. And as you'll talk, I'm sure you've spoken to people who have um, gone to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition before. And, you know, that's where I ended up when I sort of went, Oh, okay, I want to add this other layer. in. I ended up there and their whole theory about primary food and secondary food was really uh, really resonant. So, have you heard that one before?
1: Interesting. No, no, no. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Tell me more.
0: Yeah. So, they talk about the fact that there are two kinds of food in your life. There's primary food and secondary food. And the primary food are the things that feed your life. They feed your soul. They're your, um, you know, your relationships, your vocation, your spirituality, your getting, your fitness. It's all the things. And your secondary food is the food that's on your plate. And so they feed, they work in tandem. So if you, if the food that's on your plate, isn't giving your body the energy to do the things that you love, you're not going to be necessarily thriving. And if you're not doing the things that you love, you might not have the energy or the wherewithal to eat well. Like, you're like, Oh God, who cares? Just give me the pizza. You know, like you don't, you're not, you're checked out and so when those things are working together then you are living i would say then you're much then you're on your path to your your best life as oprah would say so um and it's a constantly shifting you know shifting dynamic because things aren't static that's yep. the thing if anything that i've learned as a person who's been alive on the planet for as many years as i have and just through my coaching is that change is the only constant and so knowing that and being prepared to to check in and to be present, you know that's the other thing is like mm-hmm. checking: out how am I now? What needs my attention? How do I feel when I eat this? How do I feel when I think this? You know, because a lot of times it's your you know your thoughts can be just as inflammatory inflammatory as the as you know the candy bars.
1: Yeah. else I
0: say. I do I, candy bars. It depends on where they're coming from because I like, especially since this pandemic has started. I am. I'm like chocolate is my BFF. So.
1: Oh my god. Me too. Let's right. to
0: be clear. Like
1: once or twice a week, I go and buy like a Twix or a, I don't know, like a, a peanut butter something. Yes. Like. I'm like I'm I'm and I don't normally eat candy bars, but. <laughs>
0: yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do. That's the thing for sure. So that's uh, no judgment, but you know what I'm trying, you know what I mean? No, it's a balance. It's a balancing yeah. act. Every oh, but day. I love
1: that, uh, that way of thinking about it because yeah. And especially these days, like, you know, uh, information is also like a food and, you know, managing our, our social media diets, our news diets is just as important as like, like you said, the, the food, the food on our plates in terms of what we're feeding ourselves, our, our minds, our bodies, our souls.
0: Exactly. Um, totally.
1: So I, I, the other super interesting component about your health coaching, um, is the eight uh, the aging audaciously. Aspect. Yeah. So you say you're, you're through your, your wellness and health coaching, you're empowering women to age audaciously in, in body, mind, and spirit. So can you tell me a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, there are so many cultural myths around aging. You know, there's this whole idea that once women get to a certain age, they're no longer relevant. Um, and women, so many of my clients will come to me and say, like, I feel invisible. I feel irrelevant. And uh, it's it's a load of crap. So how do I help? So I can help women tap into what makes them feel audacious and audacious, meaning like daring, sassy, just reconnecting to the parts of themselves that they might have felt like they've lost. And, um, every client is different. So there's not one way, but a lot of it is through checking in with your primary and your secondary food. And mostly it's a lot about, about cultural myths. Like for instance, eat, here's one that I feel like is, is appropriate for all of anybody who would listen to you, which is the myth of anti-aging. Okay. Cause like mm-hmm. anti-aging it's, it's bullshit. You know, you can't, yeah. you're not going to buy a cream that's gonna keep you from aging. You're not going to eat a food that's going to keep you from aging. Aging is not, you want to age. Aging is a privilege. Yeah,
1: because if you don't age, then you die.
0: (laughs) You die, exactly. And so it's a marketing term and it's crap. And I think that the more that women buy into this like anti-aging thing, the worse they're going to feel as they age. And it's not, you know, it's a a privilege to age. So the thing is, getting old is what's optional, right? So you can be any age and not be old. If you don't feel old, you're not old. It's all relative. You know, I mean, I have no intention of getting old and irrelevant. I'm going to continue to age healthfully and beautifully and audaciously as long, you know, until I'm gone. And so I want women to feel empowered that they can do that too in whatever it looks like for them. You know, at the other part of, our culture, which is also for any age is that whole compare and despair thing. And so, you know, like social media has aggravated that tremendously, but for women um, like, and I did this too. I remember like, well, I guess it was when Ob- I was Michelle Obama. I remember like going, Oh my God, she's younger than me. Oh Jesus. Oh my God. You know, like I would, and then I would start watching. She was only younger than me by a year, but still I would be freaking out and I would go and I would look, I would uh, watch, TV or movies and be like, well, look at her. She looks amazing. And she's how old is she? Until I finally
1: done all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But also, like, who cares? Who cares? Like bring it back to you. Bring it back to what you need to feel audacious, not what they're doing. But what do you need? And sometimes it's, you know, it's incremental steps, but it always it's it's a primary, secondary food equation for sure. And Mm -hmm. it is about noticing your inflammatory thinking. Like I should, you know, shoulds are a huge thing that especially women have because we're so trained to do, be good girls and do the right thing. And, uh, so that's kind of, that, that is the meat of how I help my clients get, feel audacious is by examining how they're thinking, what they're eating, how they're feeling and notice and being able to, and giving them a toolbox basically to help them Mm -hmm. do it on their own. And I, you know, I I found that I really loved blogging about it and so I would be blogging about it. I blogged about aging and turning 50 and, you know, I was kind of food and mood are my two uh my two things. And so I would be blogging about this and about a year and a half ago I got an email from this woman who uh, said I found I found you on the internet. I read every blog you wrote. Um, I am fifty two. I wish that I had been able to find you when I was turning fifty. And actually, I just started this company, and um, I with this design firm, and we love you, and we think you'd be great. You're a great voice to write to do a book. And I almost didn't. I almost didn't reply because. I thought, OK, I've gotten emails before that are like, hey, you know, for $10,000, we'll get you published. And I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was legit or not, but Bam. I did. <laughs> yeah. So I responded and it turned out to be legit. And um, now, 18 months later, uh, we've done this book, which was yes, so exciting. About. Yeah. yeah. And it,
1: so, it, yeah. What's it? What's the, the title? When's it coming out?
0: So it's called uh, midlife, no crisis An audacious guide to turning 50 and beyond, or actually it's an audacious guide to embracing 50 and beyond now. And it's coming out. We are actually self-publishing it. Um, I'm working with this company indelible editions and they did all the illustrations and it's really a gift book. It's, it's, remember how many chapters. I think there's 15 and they're more of their bite size. So there's they're not they're probably about a thousand words, but then there's action steps for everything. And I think we're also gonna release a workbook to go with it. Um which will be great. And it's we're just starting to get all the PR on board. You know, we at one point we were thinking about trying to get it out this fall, but then everything was so crazy. And I thought mm-hmm. nobody gives a shit about midlife right now. We just need to we just know, we just need to know that we're back on track to a safe <laughs> planet, you know, like we just know. So now it's going to, it looks like it's going to be January um, and okay. go along with that new year. I, I hate to say new year, new you, cause there's no new you. Yeah. New year, new energy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like
0: that better. So to kind of go along with that and, um, but we're super excited about it.
1: So exciting. Yes. I will I'm super excited for you. Um, yeah. published writer. Well, you're already published with your blog and everything, but
0: I think it's also another a good example to show people, to show myself even that you know, when you're on that trip of of going through life, uh, you don't necessarily need to know what's coming. But if you're paying attention and following the things that you love, then you will get to where you're going. And for me. I noticed uh, that I loved to write. And so I wrote and then, and I, and I, and that's how that came to me. And now I've written a book and I'm like, wow, I wrote a book. Like I kind of have to pinch myself about it all the time. And I realize I love that I can add author to the list of things that I've done in my life. And that feels really good. And uh, so sometimes you don't necessarily have to have a plan. There's nothing wrong with plans, but I think it's okay to remember that when you're just paying attention to the signs on the road, like it's like using this metaphor, continually continuing to use this metaphor of on your journey on the road, if you're noticing the signs and to know that you're still heading in the right direction. And the way to do that is to be checking in with your body. How do I feel about this? How do I feel about that? What am I thinking? And it doesn't have to be an exhausting undertaking because sometimes when some people will say, oh, I can't like... No, I can't think about what, you know, I I don't know what I'm thinking all the time. I don't know what I, it's just about moments of checking in where it's, it's the same with meditation, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's about the coming back and checking in, the continuing to come back. So the more that you come back and check in with your body and yourself, the easier it will be to just do that in the grocery store when you're holding to like, do I want this? I want this.
1: Yeah. And with the the book, you know, you already had that, that knowing that you enjoyed, the writing process and then you had so that was the internal bit and then you had the external you know opportunity um so you were kind of in the right the right mindset to to take that new opportunity be open to it um and also you know set like new challenges and have new ambitions for yourself so i think you've mentioned um some ideas of you know what people can do to to get in touch with this kind of mindset but for people who are feeling super you know, out of touch with what they, what their desires, their needs, you know, what direction they want to go in, and even, you know, out of touch with that. So you said, you mentioned, you know, not, um, you, it's not anti-aging, you don't have to get old. Um, you can stay, you can stay young in your mindset. So for, what are a few, you know, concrete things that people can do to just get started uh, on this, on this journey, on this mindset?
0: Well, first of all, I think the main thing is noticing even what your thoughts are. So, you know, there's one of the things is anytime you notice that you're shooting on yourself, you know, I should do this, I should do that. Examining who says who and why, because everything we do in life is a choice literally everything. I mean, you know, oh, I I have to pay taxes. You don't have to pay taxes. You choose to pay taxes so you don't go to jail or suffer any repercussions. (laughs) Everything is a choice. So noticing that and empowering yourself and when you find out where some of those shoulds are and you can start to question them, that's a really big thing. Because what will happen, I think, for a lot of us is that we're so busy doing what we think we should be doing that we're ignoring what we actually is speaking to us. And we can get so far away from that that we that that a lot of times my clients will say, I don't, I have no idea what I want. I don't know. I don't know. And that is also distressing. But I would challenge them and anybody to say that you do know, but sometimes it's really just about getting quiet and paying attention. So the other thing that I would say, um, there's a couple of different ways. One way that I love is doing a vision board, just literally to sit down with a bunch of magazines or whatever, and just to flip through and pull the things that you're you're attracted to. It It doesn't need to make sense. It can be words, it can be images, anything. And then just just pull through, put on music that you love and no shoulds, and just enjoy that sort of exploration. And then when it's all done, you can look and see what you've got gathered together, and you can notice, you know, oh, I really, even if it can be like, I really love the color green. I really need to be. I really, what, how does this? How does it make you feel? And then I would also journal about it, you know, just to notice again. Wh- this, I, I, I don't know why I like this. I, I don't know. You know, kitchens keep showing up. and vegetables you know and and suddenly you realize oh i'm feeling i feel really happy when i'm just in my kitchen or in my garden doing that to go do the things that you love and make space so that think more will come in it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that because you love vegetables in your kitchen that you're going to be a chef it just means go do what you love and then see what happens yep so that, that, that's where I would start because you're not going to figure it all out. And sometimes you don't, it doesn't make sense. You know, It's I love when people say, I got to sit down and make sense of everything. It doesn't always make sense. It's sometimes yeah. it's coming from your heart. And
1: you know? also it might just be like a little piece, you know, not make sense of everything.
0: <laughs> exactly. Small steps. And I guess that's the third thing that I, the, the final thing I would say is about that is recognizing that just small steps in a direction. So um, my, I have another little side business that I should mention, which is called, it's, um, it's yes, it's called yes this. And I started it with my, one of my best friends, who's a naturopath in Portland. And she and I got together and found we were really on the same page with a lot of the way that, a lot of the things that we thought. And so we started doing retreats together on the Oregon wow. coast. Beautiful. And, um, fantastic. And so we call these retreats. Yes. This meaning it's teaching women how to pay attention to the things that make them go, oh, yeah, this. Yes, this. And you know that you're moving in the right direction, even if it's just, it doesn't always have to be a loud yes, this. It can be a subtle yes, this. It's always going to be about coming back to your body, your body mm-hmm. compass to see how it feels. But anytime you're moving in the direction of yes versus no, you're following the right, the right direction. So I would say small steps in a yes, this direction will lead you to the life that you want and it doesn't, you know, there's a reason why slow and steady wins the race is a popular, you know, aphorism because sometimes that's what it's gonna take. Every time you're moving small steps into the direction that feels good in your body, then you're heading in the right direction. And um, the more you practice that and the more you practice just paying attention to that, again, the easier that muscle will flex. Like with any muscle that you start to build, that will get easier. It, there, it's never, you're never done. There's no, that's the other thing I could say is aging. Like, you're, you know, the older you get, you think, oh, I'll be really good at this, that. You're never done. You, <laughs> things might happen With a little more ease, like, you know, okay, I I still, my inner critic is as loud as anybody's, but I might be a little more tuned in to catch her and say, girl, hush,
1: (laughs) than I was
0: (laughs) 30 years ago, you know? And, you know, just because you think something doesn't mean it's the truth. For sure. For sure. You know, all of us who are in personal growth in some way, nobody's reinventing the wheel. We're all doing, we're all saying ultimately it's the same version, you know, a a different version of the same thing. It's really just about who hears you. Are they, oh, you know, it's like saying it the way that you're in your most authentic voice and then putting it out there and people will hear you the right, the people who need to hear you will hear you when they need to hear you.
1: Yeah. Yeah it resonates differently for, for different people. Yeah. So yeah. how, so you mentioned your, your retreats for people who might be interested in, in working with you. What, um, what kind of offerings do you have? What, what, what different ways do you work with people?
0: Yeah. So we do these, these in-person retreats, but of course we it's canceled this year and I don't know what next year is going to look like. Um, the website is yesthiswellness.com, wellness.com I believe. And also, there's I think if there's not a link to it on my site now, there will be because we've also done a, um, a self guided online class uh, through Teachable. So it's a four week class. We call it Four Weeks to Ultimate Wellness, but <clears throat> it's really the you can do it you can do it at your own pace essentially. And the reason we call it four weeks is because we've broken down our information into um, into four parts, mm-hmm. and it's about tuning in uh, and adding in and tuning out, tuning out the negative voices and taking out. So those are kind of the way that we have broken it down. And there's a lot of cooking uh, demos and there's, there's some guided meditations and there's a lot of uh, information that people can sort of, and and some of it's bite-sized and it's all bite-sized really. And it's a lot of what we teach at our retreats, except that it's um, it's not in person. And when you go, you know, when you go on retreat it's there's, there's something about being in a room with eight women, you know, for a weekend where you, that allows you to go really deep. And I would never you know, that, so the class isn't a substitute, but the class is kind of goes with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And then mm-hmm.
1: are you, are you still working uh, with clients one-on-one as well at the moment?
0: Yeah, I'm still taking one-on-one clients and, um, not really, I, I probably will create a program in 2021, which will be some version of, you don't know, six weeks to age audaciously, something to kind of go with the, I don't know what it will be yet, but it'll be how to age audaciously and it'll kind of be a companion to the, to the book. But I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. Cool. Because it's so fun. Yeah. Just <laughs> like
1: it's creation, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <stuff> out
1: there. <laughs> I love um, it so uh, i I ask this at the end of each episode, but it seems particularly fitting for for this conversation. What would you call uh, this chapter in the story of your life?
0: <laughs> uh, well, definitely, it's the audacious age, but uh, <laughs> although I would then hesitate to say that every age could be an audacious age, but for me, this is particularly audacious. Um, just because this chapter is the chapter of you know my kids are gone and I am I've done things that have that I thought were not necessarily options for me like writing a book you know I just know, and and it feels audacious to be doing that and the book is coming out in January so that feels pretty audacious. So yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to stick to the audacious age, this chapter. Awesome.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah it's uh, on brand. So
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure.
1: Oh, so exciting. Um, well, wh- where can people um, anything where that you haven't mentioned yet? Where can people find you and connect with you online?
0: Well, certainly on my website, which is audaciouswellness.com, but also on Instagram, where I, um, I'm having – I have so much fun on Instagram, I have to say. I really love it. Um, also on Facebook, too, but I'm much more – I'm having a better time on Instagram these days. And I've changed my name on there. It is a the Lisa Levine because, um, you know, having with the book coming out. It's interesting. You probably don't know this because you have an, an, a unique and unusual name, but Lisa Levine is a super common name. Like, there's so many Lisa Levines. It's crazy. And so I, so you're the, I one. am the Lisa Levine <laughs> on Instagram. That's right. <laughs> so um, that's awesome. that's where you can find me.
1: Well, thanks thanks so much Lisa. It's been um so much fun chatting with you and I'm super excited about everything everything you have you have coming up and uh and, and and beyond.
0: Thank you. It's been so fun. It's been a pleasure. Um and good luck to you on all of this on your podcast. Stay audacious. Keep doing all those things and um yeah, it's been fun.